Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of NFT Time with Sammy and Grapefruit. For this episode, we have Adam back again. We're going to dive a little deeper into Web3. I'm excited. I really enjoyed the first episode, and I like how this is a series too. So we kind of just build upon every episode, get to know us more, get to know Adam more, and anything else that's in store. So let's freaking go. Woohoo! All right. So this episode, we just wanted to talk about, I guess, our own perspectives on different projects and how we feel about Web3. How are you two feeling about the market right now? Um, After the last week and seeing some of the projects that have mooned, I'm very just confused. <laughs> you talking about Toblin gown or the other one? Ding, ding, ding. That is the one. <laughs> So, I mean, before all that, Andrew Wang, our friend, he tweeted, what makes a project good? Art, utility, marketing, or a community? And then this all unfolds, and I'm like, going to flip over my laptop. I don't know what, what really makes a good project. I don't know anymore. I think probably no one doesn't know about that who's listening to this, but just to lay down the facts, we are talking about Goblin Town, which managed to come seemingly out of nowhere and appeared at first like a complete degen mint with no promise of any value whatsoever, explicitly stating, we are nothing. There's nothing here. <laughs> just, just some pictures. And that managed to get the entirety of the NFT space talking about it, minting it, and then sending it to the moon with its floor price. Let's check what it is. I think earlier today it was near two ETH or something like that. I thought I saw higher. It has a floor price of 4.5. What? Yeah. I saw it early, a couple hours ago. It was 4.25 and I'll draw drop to the floor. So I think there's a current of thought that is formed to say, this is not random by any means. This was crafted to look random, but this was very strategically and intentionally planned and that there may be some masterminds behind this. What's the temperature in the room on that? Do we think this is just random internet fuckery or well-executed, premeditated I think, at least for me, I feel like I haven't done enough research to comment. I know that there is some backstory to it because I, I know one of my friends in the space, Tansen, wrote a, a really long thread about Goblin Town. And it starts off by saying Goblin Town isn't just a, a troll project. And I haven't even like had time to read into it yet. So that's something I'll do tonight. In the bear market, people are always trying to find ways troll or have fun and just lift spirits i mean we all saw this week's yo series you know there's not much to do right now people are trying to find hope where they can and that just reminded me of of goblin town everyone's just trying to feel something <laughs> every yeah exactly everyone's just sending i mean me and picante sent each other like very troll like the the goblin language to each other i don't even know what i'm writing i'm just copying and pasting and having a great time I, well, so I'm pretty firmly on the side of Goblin Town was premeditated, very strategic, pretty brilliant hype marketing. What blows my mind, though, is how it seems to me like a thing that has to have been in the works for a long time. The art is detailed. We're in the middle of detailed art generation ourselves. You can't turn that around in two weeks. And so this had to be planned before the market turned. 
which means that it wasn't relying on, or maybe it was, maybe it was taking a calculated bet that the market is going to crash. And maybe this is project was even ready for six months, just waiting for the crash. But the timing is really, I don't want to say suspect, but it, it's some doesn't add up to me. Like, how could you get a project together so fast to react to this exact condition? Yeah. And I think that's why sometimes I feel like, you know, when we do like, you know, DIOR, do your own research, and we're trying to figure out like what makes a project good and, and like seem like a good investment and all this stuff. Like sometimes it just seems like there is no formula. It's just a stroke of luck and like the right conditions that just allow a random project to just moon. I mean, I'm sure it's not random. Like you said, Adam, it was probably somewhat calculated and executed intentionally but yeah it just seems it's a lot of luck that comes into play it's just so interesting to me that they did so well right now in this market (laughs) like if they had been planning this months in advance you think they would have a month or two more to wait right but they strategically decided to come out now the question is why and once you get that question answered i feel like we would all understand goblin town a lot more (laughs) It may actually be one of those, it has been planned and it's just been waiting. I've got a friend who runs a fund called Curated that a whole bunch of people are are invested in. Lucy and I are very small investors in that fund that got together millions of dollars to buy and hold uh, blue chip NFTs and fine art NFTs with the thesis really that, yeah, a, a downturn is sure to come and we're going to quietly wait in the rafters, but mostly deploy when that happens, because we think there's long-term value and stuff will be on sale. And I kind of could see somebody coming with, you know, and TLDR investors were very happy to support that thesis, which is coming true now. And I could see some people having the same approach to an NFT project saying, we know a downturn is coming. What if we planned a project that waited for it? Yeah, like you come out as a free mint and it seems there is a free mint meta happening because of the market conditions. And then you come out with, I mean, yeah, it's not obviously my cup of tea art wise, but like you said, Adam is very detailed and they just were able to generate a lot of conversation. When that project came out, all of my group DMs, my different servers, my Twitter timeline was all that. And then everyone screenshotting the crazy Twitter spaces that happened where these grown men were making goblin noises for three hours, more than three hours. Yeah, I I remember I saw airport tweeted, well, if you guys think you understand NFTs, I want you to listen to this space and then tell me after that you understand NFTs and it's the goblin space. You know, there's something about, I feel like NFT Twitter is just rehashing a lot of patterns that we've seen before. This one, not even that far back, but Clubhouse Early Clubhouse had these phenomena that were really interesting human psychology. Clubhouse started with the moan rooms. And uh, yep, it's exactly what both of your facial reactions suggested. Adam, I was going (laughs) to ask you to repeat that. (laughs) Yep. Moan rooms. People would go (laughs) and moan for hours. And then... There were derivatives of that because people, like obviously not not everyone on Clubhouse was down with that. I did not spend much time in, in moan rooms. I just sort of knew that they existed. And then people started making satire ones of them where they made whale 
moan rooms, and it was just people attempting to make whale noises for hours and hours. And so seeing this happen over and over again, and now with Goblin, there's something that people really seem to enjoy about this. Adam, this was like my first time seeing something like Goblin Space, and it sounds like you saw when you heard the Goblin Space come out, it sounds like you were just, oh, yep, this is, yep. This is just here a circle. Yep, here we are again. <laughs> I think it just shows for those of us that enjoy spending a lot of time on the internet, we're all pretty much just trolls and having a blast. Not everything has to be super serious, super intentional. Makes a lot of sense. Sometimes we just need to feel something. <laughs> yeah, I think the troll brings out some of the best in the community. The day of the yo's, one of my friends made a yo space and everyone was in the space. Everyone was saying their own version of yo. Some people were playing yo music and... No one really said anything besides yo. That was the space. That was just, it's like Goblin Town Part 2. Yo edition. Oh my gosh. So what I'm interested to see from here is whether this has staying power organically from the crowd and then whether the project comes clean with, okay, okay, we really actually do have plans or not. And then what those plans might be. Because I would place my bet that this is strategically planned premeditated and on the execution it's a plus i so often see the pattern that people teams who are excellent at generating hype and buzz and understand how to manipulate human psychology in that way often don't have the follow-through of substance in the product that they're building they almost seems like diametrical skills, not always, but very often. And the reverse is true. People who build substantive high quality products often have a really hard time getting people to pay attention and care. And when they do, they're like, oh, hey, this is actually great. But it's was, this is actually great. Meaning the expectation was, yeah, I didn't expect much from you. And so I see these two skill sets as a dichotomy and it's rare they come together in founding teams because the personality types behind them are so different. So... I'm seeing this and I'm like, all right, but is there an act two that is going to carry it through six weeks from now price predictions? What's more likely, 10 ETH or half an ETH? Oh, man, it's hard to say if I don't know too much about Goblin Town. <laughs> I got to read into it. And if there's a, some sort of plan, like with all projects, I hope they moon. I hope every project moons if they have some sort of, you know, utility, backing, whatnot. To be determined, guys, because I, I will do my research, aka I will read Tansen's thread. But if we had to bet right now, I'm going to raise the stakes, Sammy. I will bet you one red velvet churro. And you get to pick which side of this, 10 ETH or half an ETH. Is there vanilla frosting inside? It's a red velvet cake with vanilla frosting inside. It's, there's a cream cheese dip to it. Uh -huh. <sighs> Sammy, this is not a moan room. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at this point, I've seen so many projects go to 10 ETH. And I just, I don't have any explanation for them because I haven't done my research. So if I had, if I had to bet for churros, I'd say 10. I will take that. Stamp right here. I will probably be buying you a churro, but I will, I will take the half an ETH bet Let's just to be a good go sport about town. it. <laughs> <laughs> Grapefruit, what do you think? If you had to place a bet for you, not red, red velvet churros. For you, what's on stake is a, is a nice ass sports car. <laughs> <laughs> no, I those stakes are too high. Sammy is buying for you by selling her 10 ETH goblin. <laughs> True. Yeah, I mean, I do think it'll reach 10 ETH, but it's not a gamble I'm willing to take, if that makes sense. I would not 
partake in this DGEN play, but I feel like it will go to Tanitha. Right. Would you rather have, right now, if someone would just put them in your wallet, would you rather have three goblins or one doodle? Mm, I'd rather have a doodle. Like, I hate seeing shit I don't like in my wallet. <laughs> three goblins or one mutant ape? Mutant ape. <laughs> I, too, would take the mutant ape, but I, I would not like the look of that either. No, I wouldn't, but you gotta choose between the two. Like, I'll, I'll take the mutant It's what it is. I did not uh ape in at any point to goblin town i did do the derivative free mint of goblin babies uh mine is a very ugly baby it's i didn't even know there was a derivative <laughs> there are dozens of derivatives now. oh there's mutant ghost goblin grandpas in space now like there's just so many everythings good lord yeah people are very bored right now with the market <laughs> just <laughs> I think the theme of this episode was we all just need to feel something. Like... <laughs> I mean, yeah, especially with the yo's when you find something that the community can come together and just have a good laugh. It relieves some of the tension and some of the bad vibes that the market has brought to some people. I have a segue from that to bring us closer to the topic, which is I'm really excited about the down market. Personally, Goblin Town sort of disproves my point, but maybe it's an exception. I'm excited about it because with fewer things going on, people pay more attention to each one. And with more attention comes more scrutiny. And scrutiny, I think, is really, really good for the space. Scrutiny is different from skepticism, but it is scrutiny to dig into something deeper and ask, is there meat on the bones? And that comes at all levels, not just of people minting or buying secondary, comes as well from, you know, investors, backers, collaborators from other projects or influencers who support a thing and help it get to its mint. A long, long time ago, I was a venture capital associate. I experienced a boom cycle and a down cycle in my time there. And I found that a much higher density of really valuable companies got started in downturns. The bar was higher for them to get invested in in the first place. And then they had a leaner mentality about how to build that forced a lot more rigor in their decisions. And then there was less noise to compete against for awareness. And when you put all of those together, it's kind of like the time when the people with substance win, <laughs> as opposed to the boom times where people who know how to be the loudest win. So I'm excited about the down market because this is where we're actually going to see some creatively valuable projects be built. Yeah, I agree. I have so much more time to focus on a couple projects, but mostly it's just terrible pets. But there isn't noise distracting me and draining all my energy getting bombarded with notifications all day. Like, it was during the bull market. Now I can breathe and actually read up on these projects and take my time minting stuff yeah. and not just mint every single whitelist I get and lose money. <laughs> well, as you were talking about this free to mint meta, we'll see if that sticks around, if that's a shift. But, you know, a higher level of scrutiny counterintuitively is at play there. Way less scrutiny to mint, right? Like, I don't care if goblin babies does well, it was no action to me. But where the scrutiny had to come was from the project founders. If it's a free mint, you have to believe that you're gonna be able to generate ongoing attention, or else this is 
cosmically not worth your time. So the place where I think you'll see more people come out and say, we believe so much in our project that we will take that leap of faith and make it easier for people to get in. I don't know if that'll last. I don't know how that's going to play out because I, I see it's pretty double-edged for quality, but the internet has generally trended towards things being free. <laughs> that was a big shift in gaming. When games became free to play, it unlocked this whole new meta and made games much more accessible for a broad set of people who then got to monetize uh, through microtransactions along the way later. Sammy, what about you? Mm, I agree with Adam. Right now is the perfect time for people to either build or learn. The more you know in the space, the more you'll understand what works, what doesn't. So I think this is a good time for everyone just heads down and learn and grow right now. Hence why we're all here. Well, Sammy, you just started. At, today was your first day at your new gig. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited. Congratulations, first of all. Maybe it's too early, but I was wondering how you or your team are thinking about the changing market conditions for your own project. Mm, I think it's in the back of our head. It's important to be aware of it, but right now we're just very heads down, very focused on building. And once everything kind of unfolds, maybe the market will be in a better place. Maybe it won't. We'll see. It's important to be aware of it, but not let it affect you and not let it mm. like worry you. You know what I mean? Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Because it's super easy to be like, oh, my, like half of my, like, at least for me, half of my friends aren't even on Twitter or Discord anymore. Um, some of my friends are touching grass, which I'm super happy for them. They're living their life, making memories and stuff. But then it makes Twitter a little lonely sometimes. Twitter seems very, very quiet nowadays. And sometimes it's sad. And so I try to do my own spam too, to, to feel something, <laughs> to feel like not half of my friends left. Yeah. If you believe in your team and the product you're building and your vision and, and goal market conditions, they obviously matter. It's definitely a factor to consider. It's a constraint maybe, but in any build, you should be able to work around it. Because of my engineering background, we always had constraints, right? And we had to just make it freaking work within those constraints. Yeah, it doesn't make me too worried. I don't worry, but it goes beyond keeping an eye on it. The ground has shifted. It's still ground, but the ground has shifted. So should we be shifting in, in, in any particular way? I think we're still far enough away from our own mint that at the moment it's still proceed as planned. But I think about aligning yourself to the moment in time. Most things that break out and achieve network effects seem to do so by finding, there's a term that some tech people use to find a seam. So in gamer terms, an exploit in the system where it is unusually easy at that moment to grow. Seams of the past were when the app store first came out and there was this vacuum of no apps, but people with a bunch of phones. Well, it turns out in, in that market, you could make anything. You just clone board games that existed, which of course wouldn't work today because the seam of new vacuum of app space was gone. Another one was when Facebook allowed apps on Facebook to post actions to people's wall. Sammy planted a carrot on her Farmville farm, which show up in my timeline. They don't allow that anymore because it's incredibly spammy. But they allowed it because they were using it to grow Facebook. In the same way, Apple 
was call it allowing apps because they wanted to grow the app store. LinkedIn. If LinkedIn is a place where your audience could be, then there was this incredible hack. I think it's still available where if you post a native video, because that's a thing that LinkedIn cares about right now, they will show me a video if somebody who I am linked to watched it. So like Grapefruit watches a video. She doesn't need to share it explicitly. It just comes up in my feed. Like what that leads to is that a person with a thousand followers on most platforms, if they post a video, they're going to get a fraction of that in views, right? 200, 300 views. Well, on LinkedIn, if you post a video, you're going to get a multiple 2,000, 3,000, 6,000 views because of the way that their, their thing works. And so these seams are these limited moments in time that go away basically once they get consumed up because whatever was using it to grow underneath is sort of satisfied and or the audience isn't as receptive to it anymore. I think the NFT space was itself one mega seam for the last year plus. And now the ground has shifted and it feels like that seemed closed, but like certainly others must have opened up. The things you learn from tech people. It's just the fact that that topic is on the forefront of your mind. I don't know where I would have gone on LinkedIn or a TED talk to learn about this. <laughs> you learn the jargon that tech people talk in at the very least. I did want to touch on innovation in this space. I feel like I'm still so new. I don't even know what is possible here. Hmm. Is there a project that is not ours or Sammy's that gave you the feeling, oh, wow, they're doing something different? Like it's it's pushing a boundary? Yeah. So like a couple of weeks ago, we interviewed our friends at Sound Mint and they're making um, music stems. They're enabling artists to monetize without being tied to a record label like monetize off of their labor of creating amazing music i definitely see that enabling creators to chart their own path more than the centralized platforms of youtube or instagram that's at the forefront of my mind because that's what i'm most exposed to with our network great for i think soundmint was a good example i when we were talking to them, I really liked how they were making those generative stems. And it's unique, right? Because if you are a big fan of the artist, that artist made that stem for you. It's something that's very special and it's unique to you and it's your asset. And then there was some talk about how, depending on whether the artist wants to do this, everyone who owns one of those stems, and great for correct me if I'm wrong, but artists could have the option of talking to their holders and being like, what would you guys want to see next? Letting those holders be the decision makers. I found that unique in the music industry. You don't really see that. So I would agree. Salmon is one of the more innovative players right now. I like it as a theme of reimagining an existing business model in Web3 terms. Broadly, that's what I'm most excited about too. We're starting to see more things that can be described as the Web3 blank. And the blank is, could be a Web2 thing, could be a offline real world thing. There's the Web3 Soho House, the Web3 Golf Club, the Web3 Legal Advice Network I heard about the other day. These are the experiments being run where we get to pressure test and see what actually holds up. Hey, it turns out existing business models or existing transaction points where people like find value worth spending their money on is probably a reasonable place to start. So I'm excited about that, which feels very, very different from 
the PFP meta. We're seeing things get more into, I keep saying substance, but into the meat and potatoes of, all right, what can we actually do with this? And I'm excited about that. We're going to enter an era where we see a lot of the Web3 blank existing company, the Web3 Airbnb, Uber, DoorDash. And then beyond that, we get to the only possible with Web3, right? YouTube was internet television at first. And it's because all the content there was pirated TV. And it was like, well, what do I do when I go to YouTube? I watch shows that I learned about elsewhere that are 30 to 60 minutes at a time. And that got everyone together. And then people were like, oh, it turns out we want unboxing videos and makeup tutorials and stuff that didn't exist on TV. But nobody at the outset would have predicted, oh, that's what YouTube's for. That's what the internet is going to enable is unboxing videos. I can imagine the Web3 Airbnb. But then somebody's going to take it farther and do something completely bonkers that is uniquely possible with it that would have made no sense. And I don't know what that is. <laughs> there are goofy things to try. And then some of them are only goofy until you realize, wait, everybody's wanted that this whole time, like goblin rooms or something. So in the last episode I mentioned, I want to understand the technical side of things more, but it's not the engineering and the development and stuff that I want to understand. I want to understand how NFTs, Web3 will change our interactions and the way that the world goes around. Basically, I worked for a large bank and I saw all this friction firsthand and all the bureaucracy in our financial systems and people throw around the word DeFi and it's like, but what what is that going to actually unlock for us? What is Web3 innovation going to unlock for humanity? And it's not even what people are striving for. Because, I mean, Web2 did unlock a lot for our connections, but it also brought a lot of unintended consequences, right? Well, and specifically, the, the promise of Web1 and 2 was decentralizing information. <laughs> it was putting power in anyone's hands to publish and be found. By and large, that came true. Lots of people now have a voice of great influence they didn't have before, but it's mediated by a platform. And lots of people get to make money renting out their apartment room, but it's mediated by this platform. And Web3, the optimistic promise of it is to do away with the power concentration. That's the optimistic promise because we've already seen Web3 produce a lot of centralization in Coinbase, in OpenSea, in... I do wonder, I'm not saying I'm, I'm pessimistic, but I do, I do wonder how real the decentralize fully and get the platforms out of it this can be or that people even want it to be because in the current form decentralization may have provided more the promise and the hope of benefit but in the short term it's actually caused a lot of pain it's how people's board ape gets accidentally sold for 0.3 and there's nothing you can do about it or your wallets get whatever or you click on scam links not to say those problems can't be solved but kind of like email is a decentralized protocol that was really successful. And absolutely no one on earth can stop spam. You can you can content filter a lot of stuff, but then you still have bonanza going on. I don't know. There are the benefits to having 
a central actor, there's obviously downsides, but then the, the same is true about the decentralized things. I mean, the internet itself, would you rather not have it? I'd rather we have it, but it comes with some challenges. And so I think this attempt at broader decentralization might be a rocky road. Yeah, I agree. It's just, it's so interesting to me to expose myself a little. I was in risk management at a bank. We were talking about underwriting and fraud protection and all of the stuff that I did day to day to make sure that we protect our customers internal and external with the web three that's not there i mean we can do our best on discord server and educating people on the potential scams and phishing attempts but there's no real way to ensure that people are protected and looked out for i really am curious how we're gonna solve for this maybe it's just my risk management hat coming on there's a lot we need to keep our eyes on and try to at least predict all the things that could go wrong here that's the tricky part of decentralization. Exactly. <laughs> There's good and bad with everything, though, guys. The promise of it to me is information was already kind of decentralized. It was partially full decentralization and, and data ownership being not siloed in companies is a really big deal. It's, it's, it's a technically inefficient deal right now, but it is a really big deal. And the decentralization of money that comes along with that is one of the grandest social experiments we're running as a species. No idea how that'll play out. It makes it easier for people in Russia caught in the middle of geopolitics to maintain their business operations when governments are actively trying to put a stop to that. It also makes it easier for people to do nefarious things and not have controls that, that can keep that in check. And on balance, history has tended towards more freedoms. I know how this will turn out, as in the, the decentralized money is here to stay, but whether we're going to on balance feel that is net positive or, or net negative will be as complex and nuanced a question as do we feel social media was net positive or net negative? Yeah, and I wonder if it's like an individual answer for each person or do we aggregate how society has been affected by the new innovations and stuff in my personal life i feel like i've had a net positive effect from social media but i mean honestly it kind of took some therapy to get there too <laughs> <laughs> but you know some kids it's very net negative for them and very toxic and could have long-term negative effects so it's at a bunch of different levels. There's how has it affected your day-to-day -day direct experience, your touch points with social media, but then there's how has social media affected the society you live in. Politics of the US is wilder than it's been in a long time, no matter what side of it you stand on. And a bunch of policies are going in place in states that pretty deeply affect people's lives that I think we can draw a straight line from social media to. It's got like downer philosophical i'm sorry no i feel like we haven't yeah gone this deep on a topic on the pod yet have we sammy no def def definitely not i like i don't i try to keep the pods light but i feel like in general you need a few here and there that take a deeper dive in the topics and typically 
So I've heard sometimes I'm like a little bit too much on the positive end. I'm always like, we're going to make it. Everything's great. Community. Woo. But there's always some of the negative aspects that don't get talked about or some of the problems or the issues. So I think this is a great episode. <laughs> I'm your grounding friend, Sammy. <laughs> yeah, it's like a seesaw. I'm just on the positive end, just a heavy weight, but you're like on the other side, just balancing me out. So this is great. This is exactly why I merged with you. <laughs> Sammy, maybe stay tuned to the characters we're releasing at Terrible Pets. You know, right around like NFT New York, there, there, there might be one that just is you, maybe. Positive poly one. Everything's great, guys. <laughs> we're all going to make it. That's all I'll say. And then it's the dog in the burning room. It's all good. That's me. That's me. <laughs> we released the sloth in the burning room this week. Yeah. Yeah, we have a hot sticker. Everything's yes. fine. Very, very relatable. Yeah. Well, hey, it's almost 9 p.m. here, which means it's about midnight on the East Coast for grapefruit. So how do you feel about wrapping this one up? Yeah, I think we have a lot. I hope it wasn't Debbie Downer for you guys. I tend to get into that space. But yeah, we are still here and building. So obviously we feel hopeful and optimistic about Web3. I think this will be refreshing for people because they're so used to one side of episodes, but this is one where we kind of take a different path. And I think these down market cycles, which is maybe the theme, is a good time to ask those questions and re-examine the philosophy behind things we're working on or spending time paying attention to. Yeah, I'm excited. We're all going to make it. We're all going to make it. Goblin Town of Teneef, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I mainly want my churro, but like Goblin Town of Tenny. I was going to say, Sammy, I'm going to buy you that churro regardless. <laughs> okay. Well, hey, this was super fun once again. Let's do it again soon. And we'll bring the full Wagme energy to episode three. That sounds good. Sounds good. Okay.